I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Today we are here with world traveler, content creator, and a good mate of mine who left a traditional job here in Australia to go travel the world and make content. Jack Tor, welcome to Diving Deep. Thank you for having me, Sam. It's a pleasure. Dude, I've been watching your travels and, and your career because we actually met many years ago. At we did. A very like young, businessy conference thing. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, we we're only little... What well, feels like 12-year-olds back then with a dream. wasn't 12, but uh, maybe, what was it, 18? Yeah, probably younger, maybe 16, 17. 16, 17, yeah. We both had a dream, and now we're uh, here to tell a story. It's funny <laughs> because we were both there to kind of learn e-commerce, to learn business. Yeah. And then we've both gone out and been, you know, fairly successful in completely different fields, but... What I thought about that that united us was it was two of us or a group of us that was there trying to be better at something. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we were all there with, um, yeah, just, you know, we just wanted to give it a go and we were trying to work out what that thing was. Um, and yeah, we eventually found it. When you were growing up, were you quite entrepreneurial, quite business, business minded? Um, I guess the business side of things sort of stems from my father, his father, my great grandfather. We've got to know what they do then. <laughs> so my great grandfather was a mechanic by trade yep. and he opened up his mechanic shop. And then my grandfather was also a mechanic. Um, and then he worked in that workshop and then opened up a car dealership. And my father was a mechanic and then worked in the dealership and then also uh, left that and then opened up uh, auto pro store, which is a little bit like super cheap, sort of same, same deal. Um, so yeah, very entrepreneurial family, always been around business, business topics at the dinner table and yeah, it's in my blood and that sort of transitioned to where I am today. So when you went into content, were your whole family like, we were expecting you to be in car deals, like were they open about that or were they comfortable with you doing something completely different? Yeah. Well, let's say I had a yelling match with my dad in the kitchen, um, about a week before I was meant to fly out and and start this, um, I guess you could say career, uh, in traveling the world and making content. And, uh, this was just, um, just when we sort of saw the light of COVID sort of ending, but COVID was still around a lot. Um, and my dad didn't want me to go because, um, Thailand was the country I was going to and Thailand was the only country open in the world. And I wanted to fly there. Um, and go by myself and travel and probably not see my parents for a whole year. I was planning to leave for a whole year. Um, 
And yeah, my dad was pretty much like, you're not going. And I sort of said, well, try and stop me. Um, because this is what I want to do. I had money saved in the account. I had a dream. I knew if I worked hard enough and with a bit of luck, I could make money from this. And this is what I wanted to do. I wasn't happy with the current job I was in, the nine to five. Um, and yeah, we had a massive yelling argument and then, uh, it got like really bad. And then we all cooled off two hours later. My dad comes into my room and he says, mate, if it really means that much to you that, you know, you were ready to just end our family's relationship, then I see it, you know, I see it. And he's like, go get it, my boy. And that was the, you know, that was the turning point. So he went from completely, I don't want you to do this. This isn't right to, yeah, if this really means that much to me, I'm going to back you. Absolutely. Was it empowering to have your support? (laughs) Not initially, but after that? Oh, a hundred percent to have my, parents on board was great because uh a lot of people especially in Australia um doubted me I mean the the job that I left they never thought that you know they thought I'd be you know come back um and a lot of my like external family thought I'd be back within three months but I didn't come back for a whole year and you're leaving on quite a conquest you're going out to become a content creator were you even making content here in Australia no nothing so, um, I guess if we just, um, roll back a little bit, um, so I was, I was working in, in a nine to five, I graduated uni, went straight into a desk job, nine to five. I was working in marketing. What degree did you get? I got a degree in business majoring in marketing. So you finished high school, went and got your degree. Correct. Went and got a job. Yep. Typical route. Typical route. Um, I wanted to go traveling after high school, but my dad said, go get a degree, then travel. No worries. I, I felt fine with that. Also, I didn't have the funds then. I was a bit young, wasn't really ready to do that. Um, and then, yeah, went into the uh, corporate uh, world, I guess you could say, in marketing. I was working for a company that ran eight different businesses under that. And I was in charge of uh, all of the websites, social media, and um, e-commerce and sales for that uh, for that company. And I was managing two other staff there and also some offshore Filipino workers, um, got promoted, um, sort of officially once and then unofficially again in that year. And, uh, one day at my desk, I just had a pretty much anxiety attack. Um, my heart just like stopped. Um, I like sort of grabbed onto my desk and I was like, oh my gosh, like what, like what's happening? Like, because I was under so much pressure from work. Did you realize you were under that kind of pressure? No, until it hit me. And that's the, that's, that's the thing, Sam, when you're going full speed ahead and doing this trajectory that, you know, the whole world tells you you should do, but you don't actually look at who you are and what you're meant to be doing. So I, re- I remember just like after sort of coming back from this anxiety attack and sort of just trying to breathe at my desk and just calm myself down, I remember looking my head up and I remember seeing my, my boss, my manager, and, you know, I just remember looking at him and he was, um, white, pale skin, fat, hunched over, depressed. And I'm just like, gosh, like, is this where I'm going to head to? And I just thought, nah, that night wrote my resignation letter and two weeks later I was done. Did you have any struggles with anxiety after that? Or was that a one and, um, one and done? A little bit, 
Um, especially when I first started like creating content and traveling, like, um, the, f- the first week of me traveling, um, I didn't even really want to leave my hotel room cause I was sort of scared <laughs> of like going outside on the street in Thailand. Now it's just second nature <laughs> to me, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting, but I can understand, I can understand that cause you're, you've literally just left your hometown and gone overseas to create content. Like that is the definition of throwing yourself in the deep end, like Absolutely. jumping off the cliff and finding out how to build the plane on the way down. Like, yeah, sometimes you got to do that though. Oh, you do. You do. Um, I saw this, I think it was a podcast from Gary Vaynerchuk once and he said, you can always quit your bullshit job, go and do what you want and then go and get another BS job. Right. And that really stuck with me. If I can go and try this content creating thing and it doesn't work, then I can always come back and get a job and try and work it out. And that's sort of what kept me going. Why content creation? Like when you're sitting at that desk and you decide, I don't want to do this and you flew overseas to create content and travel the world, why that route? Is that what you deep down knew you had to be doing? So I saw this video when I was 15. Um, we might be able to put, clip the thumbnail up here. It was from a creator called um, The Life of Jord. And um, he did a video titled uh, 365 Days of Travel one second every day and it was a second filmed every day of traveling asia and i watched this video and something just it just hit me and i watched again and again i watched it four times when i was 15 years old and i thought how cool this guy travels the world he creates content he's having the time of his life i'm like geez i'd love to do that too one day and yeah that's sort of what initiated that travel Um, I also went like a few like trips with my family. Um, We've been to Vanuatu to do a mission trip, help children read and learn how to use computers and, um, you know, did the classic schoolies Bali trip as well. So, you know, done a bit of traveling, but that video was like a big thing where after my anxiety attack, I thought, right, I know marketing, I can market myself. Um, I don't really know video, but I can learn. I don't know editing that much, but I can learn. And then, yeah, that's sort of where it went. Because when we were young and I I knew you for studying and working hard, and I saw you go overseas to just have a crack. Like, I was inspired by that. I thought, like, that's a man living by his own goals, dreams, and values. And as someone who tries to live by those values as well with my diving and my own passions. Like I saw that and I was inspired. Like I was, I was empowered. Yeah. Thanks mate. I, I think it's a, it's an important message for young people these days is to just have a crack. You know, um, if you feel something inside of you, if you feel like that there's more than just your desk job and you're unhappy in your desk job, then go and try something. You know, and I just want to say one thing as well. There's nothing wrong with a desk yeah, I was job. Say, some people, like there's kids I went to school with. Yep. And they're like, yeah, man, like I just want to grow up. I want to work my job, have my family. And that for some people is happiness. And that's good. That's good for them. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. And I just want to make that clear. Nothing wrong with that. That's, that's great. If you're happy, then that's great. But we need people that are interested in different things and, and that's, that's how the world goes around. Like I personally am not a scientist, 
but I'm very thankful that we have them. <laughs> yes. yes. Scientists, lawyers, doctors, we thank you. Yeah. Please, keep, keep studying. Yeah, keep studying. We do stu- need you. Keep studying, guys. Keep studying. Um, but yeah, you know, it, there there is opportunity, uh, especially in Asia. It's um, it's very affordable. Um, you know, my, my first year of, uh, of, of travel was very affordable. I, I spend about $1,500 a month. Traveling around. Traveling around. That's not a week. That's a month. I'll, I'll touch on that because affordable travel is one of the biggest reasons people say, I, I couldn't do it. Yeah. But just stepping back a little bit, had you been to Asia before? Um, I had, but just once when I was like 12 and then once for schoolies. So not really that much, you know. And it was the video that got you to go over there and start the travel. Were you nervous? I was, yeah, I was very nervous. And you were by yourself, right? Yes. Yeah, I was by myself. I had to get COVID tested. And if I got tested and I was positive with COVID, they would have locked me up in a hospital, grab my credit card and charge me 6000 Australian dollars. So I was very scared. My dream was riding on that I didn't have COVID. That would have been like months, months of your, of, oh, of your love. Oh, yeah, there. yeah. Like four, four, five months of my, yeah, like four months. So you packed your bags. Did you even have a camera? Uh, yes, I had a DSLR, which I later sold, uh, and I had a GoPro 10 uh, and a, a, a $300 Rode microphone because good audio is important. Good audio is important. We actually just upgraded to our new microphones. Hope, hopefully you guys can can hear, hear a better quality. Like, audio is important because it's communication. It is. Right, good communication is important. It is absolutely. So you flew overseas with your cameras and you get started. Why? Why YouTube? And what made you think that you could get ahead creating content and sustain yourself from that? Because going from a job to creating content overseas is two very different things. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I guess I've always loved YouTube. I've always loved watching YouTube. Um, I think I got into YouTube about 14, 15 years old. Dude, I watched so much growing up. Yeah. I feel like that shaped me as a person. Yeah. It, it's great. I mean, YouTube's awesome. You can find all different people, you know, talking about all different things. And it's very different to television, obviously. Um, it's real people doing real stuff. Um, yeah, YouTube's awesome. And it also is, give or take with Facebook, it's the number one paying platform. Uh, the best earning platform out of all the social medias. Um, Facebook is on par with probably one of the higher earning ones, but YouTube and Facebook are the highest earning. And I, I yeah, went into YouTube and, uh, yeah, just started creating content about travel, um, travel vlogging, unique experiences, um, interacting with local people. Does Facebook pays much for long form because I know YouTube pays not much for short form but a lot for long form and Facebook I know pays for short form what about long form on Facebook long form on Facebook pays extremely well really yeah I didn't know that and long form on Facebook is I'm gonna go and repurpose my YouTube videos (laughs) you should I've got a contact for you you. (laughs) do you do that I do I do I do so uh if you can get paid on Facebook for uh videos for three minutes plus Okay. That's what they consider long form. So anything between a reel, which is up to 60 seconds and three minutes, what about the in-between space? Um, that is on the lower end side. But if you cut up a vlog that's, let's say, 12 minutes long into three-minute segments, 
then you'll be earning quite a quite a bit. For example, like um, creators like um, Shami, Jackson O'Doherty, yeah, they're they're earning good dollars. Um, you'll see, especially some of their older videos are definitely over three minutes, um, and yeah, they can earn good stuff. Interesting. So when you found posting on YouTube, your first video, what was that like? Were you expecting a big hit? You're expecting it to be a slow grind. What was your mental approach towards it? Yeah, I mean, um, it was it was very it was very nerve wracking just even sitting in front of a camera, um, looking directly into a camera. You know, um, it was it was nerve wracking. Uh, I did my first video overseas in my hotel room. Um, hotel room for the first video? I didn't leave my hotel room for the first two videos. And actually a mentor of mine, um, Paddy Doyle, he has about almost 300,000 subscribers now on YouTube. He, he sent me a voice message and he said, mate, I just watched your first two YouTube videos. Get out of your bloody hotel room. <laughs> you know, he said, get out there, go out with your camera. He was right. I knew he was right. <laughs> but yeah, he was, he was a great mentor of mine. And so you got there and you were nervous to leave? Oh Yeah. Yeah, I was nervous to go across the street and get a coffee. Yeah. Um, in a country that I didn't know much about, you know, Thailand is now, uh, I would say it as a second world country, um, but, you know, sort of where I was was a little bit third world-ish. And, you know, like, it, it was scary. But now I could walk down there. I, I feel safer walking the streets of Thailand at nighttime than what I do here in the CBD of Sydney. Really? Absolutely. When you expanded your comfort zone overseas, was that a slow process? Um, How did you go from being scared to leave the hotel room to literally going to most places none of us would go? Yeah, absolutely. I think it just comes with time. Um, and, and I guess that's the biggest thing with content is when you first start out, you know, you're going to be scared. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be hard but you really just got to have a crack and just go into it. Um, initially my first country was Thailand and that was sort of me just warming up and getting used to vlogging and getting used to ordering a coffee or ordering food, not knowing how to speak any Thai. Now I can s speak a little bit of Thai. Can you? Uh, yeah. How I do can. you say hello? How are you? Sawadee cup. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, that's one. Or what about you what's say, your name? Uh, I don't know what's your name. I know to say, how are you? Which is, um, Sabaidi uh, May, and you reply with Sabaidi uh, Cup, which is I am good. Um, I know how to ask for um, what is the price. Uh, you can say Talai Cup uh, or Talai Kapun, which is a bit more polite. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, that's a bit of Thai. <laughs> bit, bit of, so, <laughs> so time, you just keep slowly moving and, and getting comfortable with it. How were you making money when you first started and could not really support yourself in the content? I wasn't. Yeah, no money. So you're going off savings? Yeah, completely savings. Um, so I had about mm, 20,000 Australian saved. Uh, and that was the plan for that was if I was on a uh, shoestring budget to last me a year and a half. So yeah, that's right. You can travel on 20,000 Australian for a year and a half. It is possible. Going away for so long, why on your first trip didn't you think I'm going to go away for a month, come back to base, regroup, 
go again with a new plan. Why a year? Because um, if I came back to Australia, I had nothing here. Like I sold my car, I left my job. Um, there's no point coming back. It was all in or nothing, really. Um, and that's why it meant so much to me because I had to make it work. Um, I didn't want to come back with a hole in my back pocket living with my parents, which nothing wrong with living with your parents, but, you know, I really wanted to prove to the people who I loved that I could do something and I wanted to prove to myself that I could do something, you know. So that's why I didn't go back. I just wanted to, you know, live cheaply, create as much content as I could, make the best videos I can, and then hopefully, you know, it pays off. Traveling affordably. I've, I've traveled a lot with diving and for my work creating content as well. And for me, it's been really expensive. Please tell me what I don't know. Okay. Um, sure. So, yeah, as I probably touched on before, I, my budget is about $1,500 a month. Um, so, to put, put that into perspective, uh, when I actually fly out of here tomorrow, this is the last like sort of work thing I'm doing in Australia. So, um, tomorrow I'll be flying to Malaysia and then to Nepal, but um, I'll be renting a place in Nepal. And uh, to get a two-bedroom place with my own toilet and my own kitchen, it'd be about $200 a month. $250 a month. A month. That's a month, guys. That's not a week. <laughs> so yeah, travel is very affordable. Uh, as far as flights, if I was to fly directly from Sydney to Nepal, it would cost me minimum $1,000. Uh, and you're getting one-way tickets, right? Correct. Okay. Yep. But if I was to fly from Sydney to Malaysia, spend two days in Malaysia, then fly to Nepal, it cost me $500. And I get to see a second country. So it's these travel hacks and bending with dates. Dates are really important. So if you can be flexible with dates, that's where you save your big money. Um, my girlfriend and I were planning to uh, come to Australia. She was meant to be with me, but we had some issues with her visa. And for the two of us to fly from uh, Nepal, then spend two weeks in Thailand, then fly to Sydney spend a month here in Australia, then fly all the way back to Nepal. For the two of us, for all of those flights, I think, what's that? One, two, three, four, maybe like six different flights for the both of us was 1500 Australian dollars, $750 each. Wow. And that was just playing well with dates. Um, so a website I use, and this isn't sponsored, is uh, Skiplag, S-K-I-P-P-L-A-G, I believe. Um, nice going, shocking. Yeah, same, mate. I'm, I'm dyslexic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Skiplag is great. Google Flights is awesome. Um, and they'll show you the cheapest flight on that date as well and then show you the cheapest flights on other dates. So being flexible with dates, you can save massively. Absolutely. For someone that is kind of driven by dates, so when I travel, I normally have a week and a half off diving. Like I got to go. And I've got to go for this time. Is there any other little hacks for someone that's more time sensitive? Of course. I think best advice is if you have to play within dates, then look at what country you can book a direct flight to in between. So, for example, say if you need to fly to England, Sam, say if you've got something on in England at an event, it might be cheaper for you to book a one-way flight to Dubai 
spend 24 hours in Dubai and then fly to the UK or book a one-way flight to Turkey, spend four hours in Turkey airport and then book another way, one-way flight to England. So kind of being a little bit more creative. Exactly. So thinking about what countries are in between, what deals work. Um, so for example, when I fly to Malaysia, I'm actually flying to Kuala Lumpur and then to Penang and then getting a bus back to Kuala Lumpur because it was $200 cheaper. Can you just miss your next flight? I can. Uh, and I would normally do that. But this time I actually have checked baggage because I'm taking a whole heap of stuff to Nepal with me. But normally I would just miss that next flight, not tell anyone. Uh, it's perfectly legal depending on what country you're in. In the United States, it's legal, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, you can do that. It's called skip lagging. Because that's another thing about travel. Like You need to be aware of the country you're in and the laws that you're governed by. Absolutely. You have to be you have to be aware. Has there been any interesting laws that you've not been caught out on, but you've had to be aware of? For sure. Um, I think drone laws are a big thing. Um, and I'm really arrogant towards that and don't really research. Because you, you travel around with your drone, you use it to get clips, some incredible clips too. Because what I love about your vlogs as well. And they use this in movies. It's so smart. When you're vlogging somewhere, you show a drone wide shot, which gives everyone a good understanding of where it is, which helps them stay engaged because they're understanding what, what's happening. Absolutely, yeah. Um, 100%. I, it's all about you know engaging the audience, showing where you're at, um, having them right next to you, I guess. I always say, come along next to me while we travel because you know, not everyone in this world for whatever reason it may be, they're not fortunate enough to be able to travel. It might be because of their passport. Their passport isn't strong. It might be financial reasons. It might be a disability. So I always invite people to come and travel next to me for that short 20 minutes of, of, of their day and we'll go and experience something together. Um, but I guess back to, back to the drone um, incident. Um, yeah, so I have had a run-in with uh, the Nepal police um, when I was flying my drone. and you I was get arrested? almost <laughs> no comment yeah so um, essentially I was flying my drone and then I went back inside and then I hear my fr my local friend yelling out and I go out and he's getting like pulled away by the police like arrested and I'm like hey like what's going on and like you're flying a drone and I'm like yeah it's under two kilos I'm allowed because I, I thankfully I knew the rules for Nepal but we had to sit in their holding cell well not holding cell but because it was a rural village, but holding spot. <laughs> um, when you're in a village, there's not real much of a cell, but the holding spot. Okay, the naughty corner. Yeah, the naughty corner. Um, for four hours for the local police commissioner to come, and then I had to show him the laws, because the local village police couldn't read the laws. And, and, and Is that and not terrifying? It is. Um, but thankfully, there is this thing called bribes. <laughs> um, in Asian countries. And uh, yeah, I've had to bribe my way, not out of that situation, but um, when I was in Thailand, I got COVID and I had to extend my visa. And if I didn't extend my visa, I, the only other country open that I could fly to was Vietnam. Now, Vietnam was currently testing for COVID. So if I tested for COVID, they'll whack me in a hospital and charge me six grand. So I had to bribe one of the immigration officers to um to extend my visa 
Were you nervous that they could turn around and get you in trouble for that? Absolutely. Yeah, a hundred percent. But you just got to do what you got to do, and money does talk, especially around those countries. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't in the main city. I won't say what city it's in, but that wasn't in the main city and they're a bit more lenient. Um, but yeah, like sometimes when you're traveling, you, you, you have, you got to do what you got to do. So when you were in your holding spot and you were waiting for the police to, to come and check, because could they, I don't know how it works over there. Can they convict you and send you to jail without proper evidence and proof? Um, they could intimidate me to say that I'd have to pay a fine when that's not true and there'd be no paperwork for my fine receipt. As far as put me in jail, probably not. Just the way social media is these days and how things blow up, um, everything's recorded, right? The cops really have to be careful, especially when taking bribes. Um, yeah, police have to be really careful with what they do these days with social media. Um, so as far as that, no, uh, but some countries definitely... Uh, some countries like um, Burma, Myanmar, uh, North Korea, you know, um, yeah, they could they could do that. So then the police chief came and you showed him the laws. He could read them? Yeah, he could read them. And then he just said, oh, how long are you in Nepal for? Like, you know, just wanted to be my friend. So he was a good guy. Yeah, he was a good guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was a good guy. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Do you find most of the authorities everywhere you go pretty good people? Yeah, yeah, generally. Yeah, generally um, really, really good people. Um, while we're on the police topic, actually, um, I actually got scammed in Nepal. Because I heard that you accidentally got someone arrested. I did. Yes. How did that happen? <laughs> um, so I was filming a haircut video. And for those of you who don't know what Indian or Nepali haircuts are, essentially, essentially they beat you. Like, um, they'll, they'll slap you and beat you and it's part of the massage technique. I've seen the video. They're like full whacking ya. Yeah. It kind of looks somewhat enjoyable though. It, it is. It, it's a little bit satisfying because they crack you and everything. Um, but yeah, this barber, um, he had a friend, a, 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 what they call a tout. And this tout bought, brought me to this barber shop and said, here's my friend. You can get your barber done here. You can make a video. Okay, no problem. So this friend, though, sat down and got a haircut. And then he got his haircut and then said namaste, which is like, goodbye, hello, goodbye. Uh, and then he left. And then my girlfriend said to me, he's just got a free haircut from you. I said, what do you mean? And she said, he's just scammed you. Like, he's expecting you to pay for his haircut. So I had to pay for this guy's haircut. How much was it? Oh, about $3, which wasn't a problem. Like, I didn't make a big deal about it, but I did say in the video, like, this guy scammed me. Yes, it's $3, but... It's good for the audience to understand what's going on and see what happens. Yeah, but, like, still, that's quite, like, a, like a naughty naughty thing to do. Um, mind you, the average wage for a cafe worker in Nepal is about $5. So that's half a day's wage I just paid for, for that guy, um, in, in Nepal terms, for wages. Um but th this is where it gets interesting. When I finished my haircut, the barber was meant to charge me for my haircut and for his haircut about about 6 or $7, right? He ended up charging me about $20. And at the time, I didn't realize that that was like too much. I was sort of like, yeah, okay, like I got a massage, I got a shave, I got a haircut, I paid for the other guy's haircut. $20, that sounds okay, no worries. 
Anyway, my video went viral and the barber was actually called the scammer because what? he overcharged me. And the barber was the one that got arrested four days later. The barber? The barber. The police, the police came, raided his shop, and he got arrested. From your video? From my video. And I was on national news, the biggest news channel, and the barber got arrested. And the scammer, nowhere to be seen. Wow. Were they working together? We'll see. Later, I found out they were. Okay. Yeah, but I didn't know. I didn't realize that at the time. And the barber went to jail. Exactly. But on my thumbnail, I have me and the scammer pointing at him saying scammer. <laughs> and the barber goes to jail. Anyway... When I walk through that area now, I have to put on a mask um, just in case anyone from his family sees me or something. Nepal is a very safe country. I feel very safe. But when you accidentally someone, send someone to jail, you have to be careful. Because this wasn't even intentional. You're no. just making content and even paid more Ab than what you should have. Absolutely. I didn't press charges. They just came and arrested him and probably beat him too with their wooden sticks. <laughs> Yeah. They still do that? They do, yeah. Have you ever been beaten with a stick? No, but um, I was on a back of a, a taxi bike once and I had my um, my backpack and uh, the guy said to me in Nepali, what's in your backpack? I didn't understand him the first time because I only understand a bit of Nepali. He asked me again. I took my helmet off and I said, hello, sir. And he said, oh, <laughs> tourist. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah, so the police, yeah. Back to what you said before, the police are fairly good to tourists. Yeah. Was that the policeman? That was the policeman, yeah. Because we got pulled over for a breath test. The, my driver did a breath test and then it's um, and then it's not common to for two people to be wearing helmets. The passenger in Nepal doesn't have to wear a helmet. I do. So that's why it looked like I was covering my identity. So the policeman said, what's in your bag? Um, which is sort of a standard thing. So... You've mentioned to me that you feel safer on the streets in Nepal than you do in Australia. Absolutely. Can you tell me about that? Because a lot of us might think it could be quite dangerous over there. Of course, yeah. Um, I guess as well, I just want to say that that comes with time. Um, if you're Australian and you go to Thailand or Nepal and you walk the streets at night, you're not going to feel safer than your home country. But having spent, you know, 23 years in Australia and then spending now two years in, in Southeast Asia and Asia, I feel safer in majority of countries in Asia walking the street at night. And I'll tell you why. Um, number one, I guess you, you sort of do have that sort of tourist um, privilege, I guess, a little bit. Um, you're a guest in, in the country and people treat you really well, but it, it's, it's less, it's less that I feel like sometimes if you're walking the streets in the CBD in Sydney at night, um, and you see it on the news, you know, people might get mugged or there might be, uh, a drug related incident with methamphetamine or something like that. Um, and you really don't get that much of that. It's more Thailand. I, I want to say like Nepal can be a bit different, but Thailand is a very, safe country in regards to that. I just generally feel safer walking the streets in Thailand than w what I would in the CBD. For people who are traveling to Southeast Asia, what tips would you have for them to stay safe? Absolutely. Um, 
the great thing is uh, if you're an iPhone user, you can turn on um, your location settings with your parents if they have an iPhone as well. Um, you know, you can keep your Snap Maps on if you want to do that. Another great thing is to, um, you know, let people know where you are and what you're doing. Um, it's always important to carry some form of ID with you. Um, and also as well, um, carry, you know, US dollars or Australian dollars and also local currency. Make sure you're always carrying, carrying currency with you because you never know when you're going to need to pay your way out of a situation. And that's, I'm not saying that because that's common or that's normal, but that's going to be your safety net, right? That's how to be safe. Um, I know a guy who lost his wallet and was drunk and rode his bike home on a taxi in Thailand and got thrown into jail for three months because he lost his wallet and he couldn't pay them. And he had one phone call and his dad answered and didn't believe him because his dad thought he was drunk, which he was. So he ended up in a Thai prison for three months. So it's always important to carry cash. And I don't want to scare people. The man with, probably with, shouldn't drink drive either. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he, he, he got, he got what that one he, is on him. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he got what he deserves. Um, don't drink drive guys. Um, but yeah, it's important to carry cash. Uh, it's great to travel with a friend or with someone that you know. Um, I think when you're first doing traveling by yourself, uh, it's important to do those familiar countries, you know, like Bangkok, um, Bali, um, you know, Hanoi in Vietnam, um, you know, your tourist destinations. And then sort of after that, if you really want to dive deep into travel, you know, go to your Bangladesh remote village, you know, go to a Himalayan village in Nepal. How do you go to those more remote places while staying safe, knowing the rules and kind of operating as you should without knowing? Absolutely. This is where, um, and this is sort of a big thing that shocks a lot of people is you have to have trust in humans and you'll find that most humans are actually good. When I'm in a rural village in Bangladesh, I have a local friend with me. He might be the owner of the Airbnb. He might be a guy that I know on Instagram. Um, he might be, Hey, a shop owner that I met in the street. You sort of just got to gauge, you know, most people have a good social awareness about if someone's a good person or not. And look, sometimes it can end up bad. That's never happened to me after two years of full-time travel. It's never happened. Um, but yeah, you just got to trust local people and having a local with you really helps, you know, um, with, you know, getting around buses, knowing what to do, knowing translating, translating's a big one. Um, you know, uh, when I was in Bangladesh, um, we, there was a coup going on and we got, a roadside stop and the policeman said, um, it sounds like I have all these policeman stories. Don't worry. It's just from two years of full-time travel. They're, this is my last policeman story. But he said, <laughs> he said, where's your passport? And we said, we don't, I don't carry, I don't carry my passport on me at all times. Some travelers do. I find that a bit strange because if you lose it, you're, you're stuffed. You're in trouble. Yeah. I rather keep it locked away in the hotel. Yeah. Hotels are fairly good unless you're staying in a really cheap, dirty hotel in I don't want to name a country, but I'm going to say like India. Um, you might get your stuff stolen, but generally in hotels, your stuff will be fine. So don't worry. I leave my passport in hotels, but he said, where's your passport? And I said, I don't carry my passport with me. I have a photo on it. I have a scan on my phone. He said, you need your passport. I said, okay, show me the law where it says that. He couldn't show me. But lucky we had our local friend with me who said, look, they're guests. Just come on. 
and we were all good. But um, yeah, sometimes policemen like to overuse their power when, you know, they don't really necessarily. That can know. be very intimidating though if you're in a foreign country, you don't speak the language, and they're telling you you got to do something. Do you find Googling the actual laws so you have an understanding and effective defense? Um, yes, it, that, that's always good. Um, I would always be careful about doing the classic stuff that we see on Facebook from Americans and pulling yeah, out your phone you and wanna, filming. You don't want to make things worse either. No. Like, you, you, do, you, don't, you kind of want to get out without making it yeah, worse. Yeah, because I was vlogging that day and the policeman said, camera off. I said, yeah, yeah, camera off. Because, yeah, you don't want to make it worse. Um so yeah, you just got to use a bit of common sense. In most countries, you're going to be fine. Um, yeah. So I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. And like I said before, having a bit of local currency on you, you're going to be sweet. Because I've, I've, <laughs> I remember I was traveling around uh, France and I was riding the scooters everywhere, probably missing some of the laws. And the, the police pulled me up and uh, I was, I, they were so nice. I just said, oh, look, uh, I'm from Australia. He was like, oh, okay. Just right over there, like just like okay, thank you, and, and like you're good to go. I feel like most places, everyone is is fairly understanding, and that's something I've learned about most people as well. Everywhere you go, now, have you been to China? I have, yes. Because China's somewhere I would I would love to travel to and, and create some content. What's your experiences like being in China? Absolutely. I mean, um, China cops a bit of slack. In, in the media, um, you know, you see it on Channel 7, Channel 9. Uh, they, they cop a lot of heat, uh, especially from the US as well. Um, and don't get me wrong before, before I say my opinion. Um, China has done some questionable things, but so has every country. Um, we got we got to keep that in mind. I went to China recently, and as far as the food, the people, and the places, I can't fault it. I think that there's a reason why, uh, part of the reason why Australia, UK, America is scared of China, because they're a big super player in, in the economy, the world economy, you know, um, their mega cities are crazy. It's very cheap and affordable to live there. You can rent a massive, uh, three bedroom condo with a pool, gym, you know, meeting room and everything for about $800 a month. Wow. And live like a king. Wow. In Chongqing, China. You can do that right now. Because I've worked with a lot of Chinese with my companies and they're incredible. Very diligent. Uh, high quality products. Uh, my former single partner, Shishing, was Chinese and we traveled the world together. He was trying to teach me a little bit, which I, I, need, to, I need to get better at. And we may be going there uh, later this year for diving. And that's somewhere that I would, I'd love to create create more content around because I've also found wherever you go around the world, most people all want the same thing. They want to be happy. They want to be respected. They care about their families. They want to make an income and, and contribute to society. And I think that is clear all around, all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. I think like as far as China goes, um, yeah, I... You know, we, we, I don't want to try and get too political, but, um, you know, China's obviously done a lot of work in Africa recently and a lot of African politi politicians love it because they said no one else has r raised their hand 
Australia, America, UK, they haven't raised their hand to do these development projects in Africa. China has, and it's good for the Africa, like the railways and the roads and what they're doing. Are there complicated loan systems? Is that questionable? Yes. Um, we won't get into that. But China is doing things that other countries aren't doing as far as aid, and I think that that's great. There is definitely both sides to either story, but I think that the other more positive side about China doesn't get talked about enough. And after being there, I just think that, you know, it is important to give them some credit because the people, the places, the food, it's it's great. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm really excited to hopefully, hopefully go there late, later this year. I want to go over and meet some of my suppliers because I've heard of a lot of other Australians that work with with awesome people over there that send them Tim Tams and yeah. and they love it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah. They, really, they really appreciate it because they, they really like the, uh, the, Australian, the Australian foods. Yeah. And I, I love my Chinese food as well. So oh, it goes, same, mate. It goes same. both ways. <laughs> Chinese food is the best. Oh, yeah. There's, a, there's definitely a mutually beneficial relationship there. We, yeah, we that, that's it. <laughs> so what about being able to support yourself and, and traveling around? You can earn through YouTube, through Facebook and, and brand deals. What's been your experience navigating all of those and building up an income from just living off your savings? Absolutely. And I think that this is probably one of the most uh, interesting topics that we're going to cover that people who are looking to be a content creator or working for themselves are actually interested in or living as a digital nomad overseas is, you know, how much can I look at sort of earning? Um, For me personally, the last eight months have probably been um, what I've earned I've sort of been able to save money on and or live off. Um, so the last eight months have been great. I guess the first month that I really started to earn a, a, a good amount was um, probably about a thousand US dollars, which equivalents to about 1300 Australian dollars. And that was in one month. And, you know, with my expenses being $1,500 a month, happy days pretty much got a whole month almost for free of travel, you know, free travel for a month. That's great. <laughs> you know, living the dream. Exactly. Um, this month, uh, sorry, we're in January now, last month, December, um, last month in December was my best month, uh, by far. Congratulations. Thank you very much on, on the channel. Um, and 
uh, I won't say exact figure, but uh, I earned uh, in between 6000 to 10000 Australian dollars for Congratulations. the month, which um, I was really, really happy with. Um, it's sort of sometimes hard to put on a put a figure on too because like for example I can lock in sponsorship deals um, typically sponsors pay me now between like 500 all the way up to two thousand dollars per um, 60 second video and is a 60 second video a one minute clip within one of your YouTube videos correct is yes. that the only kind of ad that you're selling at the moment Correct. Sometimes I do like an Instagram story or an Instagram post, but they're sort of far and few in between. Sometimes like a Facebook or a TikTok integration. Um, I've got a company that want me to do a LinkedIn post, which is like a bit random because I don't have many followers. But oh, should I just take it anyway? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just, you know what? I'll take For you, that. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> LinkedIn. Look, I don't normally do this, but we'll... We'll sort it out. Yeah, that's it. I'm sure James, who, who follows me, will, he'll appreciate it. Yeah, the, the, old, the old LinkedIn. He could be the next big investor. You don't know. That, that's <laughs> it, mate. That's it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the, the money at the moment is good. Um, but it's also as well, I'm, rec- I'm recuperating all of the funds that I spent in the first year and a half. Um, because you put up that personal investment. Of course. To start, you could call it a business. Absolutely. content creation. It's... It's a business. Yeah, like I've invested 20000 dollars in this career. And you invested in probably the best thing you ever could. Absolutely. Absolutely, mate. Self-investment is a big thing. Um, and I, I just want to touch on something, and this might surprise a lot of people, but three months in to my content creation career, I got an email from a company that I did work experience with, a big company. And it was from the CEO of that company, sorry, the, the manager of that company, the, the, the highest manager he said, hi, Jack, I've, I'm getting another role with, um, it was like a massive caravan, uh, car- like a camper van company. And they're like all over Australia wide. They're, they're like in national, national prime, I forget the name, prime national park land or something like that. And there are, essentially, he wanted me to do what I was doing on YouTube, but for their company, and I get a car, a phone, and a 50% increase from my previous nine to five salary, and just come and make content for their YouTube channel in Australia. Three months in, I got this role. I got this offer, sorry. And I said, you know, like, I'll think about it. And it was a very good offer like 50% more than what I was getting paid and a car and a phone, all petrol, all accommodation sorted. I called up my parents and my dad said, okay, like when are you coming back? And I said, dad, I'm not coming back. And I didn't, I didn't take the deal. It might surprise a lot of people. Like I only had 2000 subscribers then. Cause you, you weren't chasing the better job. You were chasing your dream. Yeah. And that's it. You know, it's, it's not about, if you, if you go into something for the money, you're going into it for the wrong reasons. Like I knew YouTube would eventually pay off if it gets there and I can, you know, earn money to support a family one day, of course. But I went in there to, you know, do it for myself. Because you want to do it. Yeah. But when you're doing it for that reason, because it's the same with diving. Yeah. Like Olympic athletes, most of us don't get paid nearly anything, not much at all. But you do it because 
you want to do it and you in, you enjoy the, the process of, of that as hard as it is sometimes and people may even look at it now and say oh yeah you could have been successful because of the the diving but well nearly no other divers or any many olympians make much at all it's quite a challenging industry so you, you don't you can't, you, you couldn't go in for the money. If you did, you weren't making a good choice. <laughs> That's it. Maybe an That's uneducated it. decision. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to challenge people for anyone listening is if you're, you know, currently on the way to work listening to this podcast and you're dreading this Monday morning, this Tuesday morning, heck, even this Friday morning. And if there's something, you know, that, that you want to go and do in your life, if that's being a gym trainer, if that's going and starting a podcast, if that's going and traveling the world and you've got a little bit of money saved behind you to do it, you know, it's important. You need money first. You can't just go out and do it. Yeah, it is important. Um, money is important. You need a little bit. You don't need a lot, but a little bit. Then if you're unhappy, that's the key word, unhappy, then go out and go out and try because, you know, I don't want to speak for you, Sam, but like, I guess that's what all of us in the content creator industry, maybe not all of us, but a good majority of us, we all had this dream. We all, maybe not unhappy, but we all wanted to do something a bit extra and wanted to do something that we loved. And yeah, I just encourage anyone today who's sort of at that moment to, you know, take that step. Take the opportunity. Yeah. Because even, even some things I do, like starting the podcast, I probably should have done years ago. <laughs> yeah. But you delay, you know, yeah. you you wait. So we're, we're all we're all guilty of it. But then it's just trying to somewhat catch yourself in as soon as possible and say, you know, this is this is what I want to do. Yeah. And go and go and do it. Absolutely. And then you can really follow your follow your dream. Yeah. Now you have a girlfriend. I do. In Nepal. I have a beautiful girlfriend waiting for me in Nepal when I come home i call nepal home in a few days really um you call nepal home more than australia yeah i th at the moment it's like 50 50 would you move there permanently yeah that's the plan can you get a nepal residency um so yes passport eventually how yeah. do you do that so um now my girlfriend doesn't know this at the moment by the but by the time this goes live so we're we're about to drop some very big news. We are. Your girlfriend in the pool. Yes. So uh, a few weeks ago, I bought a engagement ring and I'll be proposing in about three weeks time. How long have you guys been together? We've been together for about a year and a half now. And you know that she's the one. When you know, yeah, you know. Yeah, because I was going to ask, how do you know? Mate. Intuition? Intuition. She makes me a better person. You know, she brings the best out of me. Um, I can see her as being a lovely, beautiful mother to our children one day when that happens. And she's so kind, so caring, so supportive. You know, you, t you tell me what other girls will be um, okay with their boyfriend flying around to all these different countries and creating content. You know, it's not easy. While Sophia does come with come with me on most trips a lot now, in the beginning, you know, we were spending a month, two months apart and me and all these other countries filming and she wasn't with me. That's hard. And, yeah, she's just an amazing girl and um, 
If you're watching this, darling, then we're engaged now. <laughs> well, hopefully you said yes. <laughs> you're going to ask her to marry you. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you, Sam. I, Thank uh, you. I'm sure she will. Yeah. Hopefully she yes, says but... yes. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got a blessing from her dad? Um, not yet. So I'm yeah. going. I'm going back. Uh, me, me, and her dad get on great terms. So I'm going back. I'll ask him. Uh, his English is about ten percent. <laughs> yeah. So, but he'll he'll know. He'll know. We we get along quite well. Um, so yeah, should be good. I, I've got the m- biggest grin on my face yeah, now. Yeah, he looks happy. Um, yeah, I'm I, really happy I, for you. I can't wait. And uh, yeah, and if she says yes, then um, yeah, I mean, yeah, our our life will um. We'll be in Nepal. Um, I'm looking to build a house there probably next year. Because you're 22? Uh, 24. 24 now. 24, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, my girlfriend, she's got some land and uh, we're probably probably going to build a house. And, in Nepal? Uh, in Nepal, yeah. yeah. So we can build a two-story. This is just for educational purposes, not to flex or anything like that, but it's great educationally. Yeah, like, how much does it cost to build a house in Nepal? Of course, yeah. So... um. We could build a two-story, uh, basic to medium level niceness and quality, two-story, four bedrooms, two bathrooms, kitchen for fifty, sixty thousand Australian dollars. Wow. Yep. We could do that today. Location? We talking on the water? We're, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking. Um, we're talking an hour outside the capital. Kathmandu of the capital of Nepal. Yeah. In uh one acre of land. Have some goats and chickens and vegetables. Is that your dream? That's my dream. Yeah. That's where I sort of want to transition the channel. Um, slowly. So what would the content change? It'd shift from traveling around the world, creating content to family style content on your property? Yeah, more like lifestyle, family, Nepal. Um, also Bhutan and uh, Tibet as well because Bhutan and Tibet are quite next to Nepal. Um, I got a free trip to Bhutan uh, last year. How so? Uh, through the government they sponsored, so Fair and I to go out there and so make content. the Bhutan government sponsored you to go there. Tell me about it. Yeah, so um, I sent them an email. Three times. <laughs> yeah. hey, persistence. <laughs> persistence. That's the way. Is key. And uh, I asked for a sponsored trip. And um, so t- to my surprise, they said yes. And then I said, great. Can I bring my girlfriend? <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> well, question. I thought I'm pushing it here. But they, the worst is they would just say no. And then well, if you don't ask. Yeah. Then I still go anyway. If they say no, they said, yes, you can bring your girlfriend. Uh, we'll pay for all of her accommodation, food, taxi, guide. Visa, everything, but at least your visa is guaranteed. Exactly, <laughs> um, but you'll have to pay for your girlfriend's flights. We'll only pay for your flights. I'm like, fair enough, okay. So, um, me and my girlfriend put together some money and paid for her flights, and uh, yeah, we went over to Bhutan for a free trip. And How long? We were there for one week. Yep, and we got uh, three months worth of content in one week. Did the government organize it? Yes. So they did all the planning? Because whenever I travel, the planning, the booking, it all takes time. Absolutely. They did everything. Big, Yeah, they did everything. And I worked with a tour agency as well uh, who I shouted out. And uh, I'll be working with them again 
when I go back to Bhutan Good on ya. this year. I've got another free trip. Building up your international relations. That's it. That's oh, yeah. it. Um, yeah, like it's it's crazy the the people that you meet, Sam, when you're traveling. I met some heavily, very, very rich people in Bangladesh that worked in government. Let me tell you, there's some good contacts there. You know, when you when you you should get them to yeah. sponsor some more of your trips. Maybe they could sponsor the house building. I mean, we're even looking at getting possible sponsors for the wedding. Because you can be, this is one of my favorite things about the industry. Like, you can be so creative. Like, if you come up with an idea and, and pitch it to to a company or a business and it's mutually beneficial, like, nearly anything can happen. That's right. And, like, you know, sometimes us influencers, we cop some slack. Like, you know, bloody influencers. I prefer the content creator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why. The influencer just sounds a bit wanky. It does. It does. The content creator. Same with sort of YouTuber. It sounds a bit wanky I reckon YouTuber sounds a little bit less. I reckon it goes influencer, maybe YouTuber. Yeah. Content creator. Is like the best one. Yeah. When someone asks me, like, what I do, I say diver. Yeah. And then maybe content creator. Yeah. That's, 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 that's true. Um. But yeah, I mean, yeah, we cop a little bit of, of slack for, for getting stuff for free. But you have to remember, we're um, also spending time editing that ad. Um, you know, for example, like I'm doing a suitcase brand deal soon. I got a $400 suitcase for free. Looks incredible, by the way. Yeah, Sam, Sam saw it before we were putting it in the car. But um, yeah, you know, I have to create an ad for them. I have to edit it. I have to do a voiceover. I have to have it in my YouTube video, which, you know, sort of takes away from the travel video. So, you know, there's all um, things that we have to do. We don't just get given stuff for free because we have a big po- uh, following and we're popular. You know, there is that a little bit, but we also put in the work to make a nice ad and draw people to the website. So that's a bit of insight into that. Yeah, there can be certainly more to it than you realise. Even coming up with the ideas, filming, editing, and I'm very grateful for having the opportunity to be able to do it. But you're right, it does take work and planning and dedication and sometimes building out a team. And like any business, there's so many tasks you do not realize had to be done until you're doing it. Absolutely. Like even starting a podcast, my first one took us two hours to start recording because I didn't have an adapter that the mics should have came with that didn't put it into the computer properly. Oh, no. And even when you think of something as simple as a podcast, just sitting down, two cameras and filming, it's like, well, there's actually 10 or 20 or 100 layers of playing that goes into it. Yep, absolutely. And I guess that comes with um, outsourcing as well. And I, I guess, Sam, you'd know a lot about this is, um, you know, as we grow, it's important to have a good team around you. You need it. You, 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 you can't do everything yourself. Absolutely. Um, now I have an editor that helps me. Um, I have a guy in Nepal who translates all my videos into 145 different languages. Do they use AI for that? Uh, yeah, AI and Google Translate. Um, I now have... Do you do voiceovers or the caption change? Uh, so I do both. My main channel is caption change and I've now started three new channels, which are in Japanese, Chinese and Nepali. Because Mr. Beast does that a lot. Correct. How effective have you seen that for your channels? So I've just started. My first video on my Chinese channel uh, gained me 50 subscribers and 300 views for the video, which I think is great for a brand new channel. 
Um, my first video, I think on my current, on my main channel, only got like 10 views. So for a new channel, it's great. Um, and I'm using AI to change, to make me speak Chinese essentially. Yeah. It's cutting edge tech. How effective is that? Cause sometimes I get concerned that maybe it doesn't say exactly what I was trying to say. Sure. And just go out and full offend someone. You're like, man, I was just <laughs> saying it looked beautiful. Like, come on. Yeah. And, and that does happen. Um, but that's engagement. Um, you know, that's, that's engagement with the viewer. I suppose I, I've banked on doing things, uh, out of the box and doubling down before. Yeah. Um, I guess engagement is really important. Recently I posted a video. Now this might ruffle some feathers. I said in Hong Kong's capital, right? Now, for those of you who don't know, Hong Kong is a special administrative region of China. The capital of China is Beijing, but I put Hong Kong's capital, which technically is a play on words because Hong Kong doesn't have a capital. And if it did have a capital, it'd technically be Hong Kong. So in the capital of Hong Kong, in Hong Kong, that's sort of what I was saying. But it was a weird title to get people to click. And it ruffled some feathers a bit. So I had to pin a comment saying, hey guys, I know the capital of China is Beijing. I'm just doing a play on words here. But yeah, it's just things like that that engage the audience. And that's part of us being creative and content creators. Yeah, I like my, my signature move. I was... I just didn't know how to hit the woe. Okay. So I did it like a bit of a, I did a lot of karate and uh, kickboxing growing up. So I just put a bit of flair on it. Okay. And then everyone was like, oh yeah, it's wrong. Like you're doing it wrong. Everyone was making fun of it. People would duet it, taking the piss out of me. And I actually didn't know how to do it right. And then I saw the reaction and I thought, you know what? I'm going to make it worse. So I doubled down and did it like <laughs> twice as much. Yeah. And then it just got more people talking and it ends up becoming... My signature move. There you go. So even I suppose if you make a mistake, uh, sometimes you can play on that. Yeah. To, to your advantage. I mean, Dick Smith told me some stories about where he had used that very thing and publicity and marketing because when you see something out of the blue, yeah, it, it captures your eye. Absolutely. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with um making mistakes and just like you said, then you can use it to your advantage. Sometimes you can. Yeah. You can actually capitalize on a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to make a lot of spelling mistakes. <laughs> There's no capitalization there. That's just a mistake. <laughs> yeah. I feel you there with the spelling. It's brutal, man. Did you find school difficult? Yeah. So did I. I've, I've got a story actually. Um, and my mum tells this to everyone because she's, she's quite proud of me with, you know, like yeah, my, she U should be. My, my YouTube and everything. Yeah, incredible. Thank you, man. And um, she has this story. And when I was, I was, think I was maybe 10 years old. And I was reading my home reader, you know, the readers that you take home, like a little book to read after school. And I just couldn't read it. And I got so angry. I teared it in half. Like I'm not normally a kid who does this. I teared it in half and flew it up in the air and all the pages were trickling down and I stormed off because I couldn't read. In fun fact, my girlfriend's uh, second language is English. Her first language is Nepali. Second language is English. She is speaks. Better? She speaks and sp and spells better English than me. I ask her how to spell things. So yeah, it's a struggle. I feel you. When I was in um, when I was in high school, we were doing French. Yep. I think I got like two out of fifty on my exam, 
And I was like, look, English is tough enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I struggle with English. What are you talking about? Yeah. Doing French? Anyone who can speak two languages is incredible. Like, Oh, I, hats off. I wish I had the ability at this stage. It's it's amazing. Being bilingual is um is a real amazing um talent. Anyone who think differently. Yeah. Like, and it's confusing. Sometimes you say uh the words you know in another language. For example, um we call thongs, right? But like in foot thongs? Yeah, foot yeah. foot thongs. In Nepal they call them chapels. Now, I've been in Australia for the past month and called them chapels because I'm so used to it. So I could imagine with a bilingual person that would happen a lot all the time um, with just different things. So I yeah. feel like, yeah, when someone comes and speaks our language or English, mm. like you should be patient and really, you know, grateful that they're learning your language and learning because anyone that comes up and they even have some broken English, I tell you what, their English is a lot better than what my Japanese or Chinese would be. So, exactly. Like, good on it. Exactly. And that's the most important thing. Australia is a very multicultural country. And uh, anyone who can come here and have a crack at, you know, getting a job or get or studying here and speaking English, I just want to say if you're listening today, good on you. Hats off to you. You have done an amazing job. And I don't think, especially in Australian culture, that these people don't get enough credit. Um, and yeah, I just, I just want to say that for all the international people who have made it called Australia now their home, you know, you're doing a very good job. It's not easy. For you doing the opposite, leaving Australia to live in Nepal, are you, you're trying to learn, is it Nepalese? Nepalese, yeah. So they say Nepali or Nepalese, both is correct. Um, yeah, I'm trying to learn as much Nepali as possible. Um, I'm hoping to try and propose in Nepali. But let's see. My, Have we putting, got a test run? Oh, no. I haven't even okay. started learning yet. <laughs> Don't do that to me, Sam. He's got a few flights ahead. He's got time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, look, I can... I know enough Nepali to, um, like, order a taxi. Um, Nepali is great because they use a lot of English words, which is awesome. Um, for example, in Japanese or Chinese or even Thai... They update English words into Thai. Does that make sense? So the Nepali language is so old that any like English stuff that came out the past 300 years or whatever is still that English word. Whereas Japanese will try and make it their own word. Does that make sense? They can't move with the times of the language. Exactly. Exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think it happens as much now, but sort of, you know, between now and 300 years, I've sort of adapted a bit. Living the uh, Napoleon dream, now moving over there, yeah. starting a family, hopefully, making content and everything. The way of life over in Nepal, how does that differ from Australia? Of course. I think um, the Nepali people are beautiful. There are, and I think a lot of Australians who have been to Bali can say this about the Balinese. Balinese people are beautiful. It's sort of the same vibe. A lot of Asian countries, the people are just, they're so hospitable. Very family oriented. And yeah, that's spot on, Sam. Very family orientated. And that's one thing I love. Sophia is very big on family. um, And I love that. 
I think in Australia, we're very distant from our family members. For a lot of families in Australia, sometimes you only ever see them at Christmas time. Yeah. You know, especially your cousins. I've just moved out of home and my mum's always upset. She's like, come on, come home for dinner. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's it's hard. And, um, you know, I call Sophia's parents mum and dad already. And that's just part of the culture there. Sophia, my girlfriend, she calls her cousins brother and sister. So if she has a, a male cousin, she calls him brother. So it just goes to show the um, the, the family stuff there. For example, if I go to a fruit shop in Nepal, there's a lot of fruit stores at the side of the road. If there's a guy there over the age of 50, I'll say uncle. Yeah, so I'll say uncle banana katio, which means how much. Uh, and it's just that respect thing. And then if there's someone a lot older, maybe like 80, I would say ba, which means grandfather. Um, so yeah, it's sort of that, like that respect and sort of like that family orientated. You see a lot of that respect in Japan. Yes. I've been there a few times and very respectful, very respectful country. Oh, absolutely. But I think being family orientated, I feel like sets up for good morals and values because you think about how your actions can affect people and you're looking out for yourself but also for the people around you. I feel like taking that mindset everywhere else is really positive to all the people you come in contact with. Yeah, absolutely. Another few things that I just love about Nepal and why I want to live there and why I don't want to come back here to Australia to set up my life, which... So you want to live there permanently? Yeah. Would you do dual citizenship, come back here every now and then? Yeah, yeah. So come back here Would once. you have a house here as well? No. So I'd come back here once once a year for a month. How do your family. family feel about that? It's hard for them, but they'll come over to Nepal, um, you know, for, for a holiday or, or, or what or what that is. So, um, yeah, so pretty much, yeah, I plan to live in Nepal indefinitely. I have no problem with the hospitals there. I have no problem with the schools there. For those of you wondering like, oh, you know, you'd want your wife to have a baby in Australia because the hospitals are better. Well, no, not really. Like I went to get all my um, moles checked yep. for uh, for skin cancer. Good thing to do. And I went, walked into a new, brand new, massive clinic. Didn't have an appointment. Walked in, waited 10 minutes, saw a specialist, cost me $20. Where do you get that in Australia? Walk in, see someone within 10 minutes and cost that much. You don't. This guy had his master's degree from Mumbai in India. Very well-known university. Nothing wrong with that. And uh, he just suggested, he didn't, I don't have to, but he just suggested to get two of my big moles cut off because eventually down the line they can turn uh, cancerous. For anyone who doesn't know that about moles, fun fact. Um, so I'm probably going to go back there when I go back and get those cut off. They'll probably cost me only a hundred dollars. It's incredible. So things are more affordable yep. and you can still find good quality healthcare. Absolutely. Cause that is some of the, you know, biggest complaints that I would, I would hear is that, you know, either the healthcare system isn't as good or maybe the, you know, schooling system or even like the public systems, like the police, the fire brigade, like all the systems that we rely on in times of need. Absolutely. 
Um, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, there is a lot of corruption um, in, you know, your third world countries in Asia. Um, but if you're going over there as a foreigner on a semi-foreign income and you want to live there and, you know, a private school in Nepal is for a year, maybe only $2,000. And that'd be a great school. Like your kid, if that, if your kid went to one of them and he's pure Nepali would be like kids in Nepal speak perfect English. Like Sophia's two cousins, one's 12 and another's 14. Perfect English. Like amazing. More than what I would have been at their age. They know so much. And I've been to their schools because uh, Sophia and I, we we went to one of her cousins. Uh, Sophia's bilingual? Yes. She's yes. got good English as well. Oh, her English is like 90, yeah. 95%. It's impressive. It's, right. it's, it's amazing. Um, we went I do to, think if you learn it from a kid, it's oh, easier. Yeah. Cause yeah. When, when you learn it from yeah. a kid level. Kids are just incredibly smart and picking things up. Yeah. So yeah, the schools, the hospitals, no problem. And the fact that we can build a house for $50,000 and be debt-free and not have a mortgage for 30 years is a big puller for me. Um, one of my friends recently just got a mortgage and look, nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying if you're unhappy, if you don't like the system in Australia, I'm just letting you know of what else is out there. Um, he's paying $4,000 a month to the bank for his mortgage. That's $1,000 every seven days. Obviously, interest rates are currently very high. We all know that. Yeah, they are. Um, but that's a lot of money and that's a lot of debt. You know, I think that was on a $700,000 house and he ends up paying back about $1.5 to the bank. Yep. That, that, that's... That's giving the bank an extra 800000 Over 800, 800, yeah. 100% return. Yeah. You know, and it's like... Why would you want to do that? Now, obviously, you know, moving overseas, leaving, you know, not seeing your family as much isn't for everyone. I get that. But I guess this podcast today is to, you know, create a bit of awareness to let people know what's out there. And if you can get a remote working job for 60, 50 grand a year, even, you can have such a good life in Thailand, in Nepal, in Malaysia. I, when I was competing over in Ukraine a few years ago, I met some Australians and they were living there and I asked them, why move from Australia to Ukraine? And they said that their income, they could live like kings over there. They said, we can afford to live the life of our dreams here where this income in Australia, we could not. And I, I found that fascinating. And that was the first time I was kind of exposed to something like that. And I suppose there'd be many other places you could get the same experience all around the world. Absolutely, Sam. I mean, um, when... And if Sophia and I are fortunate enough to have a child one day, we'll uh, get a nanny to come and help us cook and clean. And, you know, um, like I said, the minimum wage in Nepal per day is about $5. Now, we would obviously pay our nanny probably double that, you know, and, and make sure that everything's right with her. If she needs anything, we've got it. So that's fine. Um, and she'd be way more than happy because if she worked in, you know, any other house, then she'd be getting that $5, $4 a day. Um and is that over there the equivalent of, say, an Australian wage to us? Like, is that enough to get by and look after yourself Correct. to about the level that, that we can? Yeah. So if you're earning 4 to $5 a day in Nepal, that would be like earning forty-five to $50,000 here in Australia. 
Um, so if you're earning forty-five dollars to $50,000 here uh, in Australia, especially if you're living in Sydney, you're probably not saving that much per week. Um, and in Even Nepal, just tolls. Parking, man. Oh. Parking. Absolutely. I spend thousands a year in parking. I know. It's like cost money to park your car. Like what's that? You know, it's a crazy <laughs> concept. Um, but yeah, I mean, in Nepal, if you were earning four to five a day, still the same thing. You wouldn't be saving much. So both people, one from Australia, one from Nepal, they're both not saving money. So technically they're sort of both on the same playing field. Now this is what happens when, unfortunately, this is what happens when people from Nepal or from India or, you know, um, from Burma even, they come to Australia to work and they think that they're going to save all of this money and it's all going to be well and dandy. But in actual fact, sometimes they can't save anything, which is a struggle. Because the cost of living is so high. Yeah. Understand. Yeah. Wow. That's the challenge we face today. Hopefully, cost of living goes down. Interesting. So even if they come over here to try and send money back even to support themselves here, they can burn through a lot of the cash that they plan on, on, on sending home. So do you find a lot of people that go there who make, let's say, a remote job, a decent salary, they can live like maybe the way they've, they've dreamt of over there? Of course. And when we say live like kings, it's not like, you know, you have people waiting at you. It's, <laughs> no, I just think like a nice house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know you know, like a nice place. You can sign up to the best gym you want. You can have a pool. Uh, eat whatever you want. Yeah, eat whatever you want. You don't have to think about, oh, should I save this dollar here or there? Um, so, yeah, it really does open up opportunities. Now, I always say to people, oh, I don't think my company will let me go remote overseas. I say, well, great. Tell them that pay me $5,000 less a year. I'm sure they'll be more than happy to negotiate. If you earn 50 grand a year working remotely in Australia and you're willing to go to 45 working in Bali, then definitely take it because you're going to be saving a lot more money. Even when I've, cause I make an income through my, my social medias and I, I travel around making content, which is, which is so much, so much fun. Uh, but then I'm pretty rigid on my routine through my diving because I can't take, I can't take much time off because of I, I need to be training and competing. So I travel when I can, but for someone who can go and work remote and don't have, I suppose, any massive ties or liabilities here, maybe that would be a huge opportunity to change up your life, especially someone that's not happy. Of course. Like what a, what a, good thing to at least try yeah you've got nothing to lose you really don't um if you budget well you've got nothing to lose you're probably going to save more money being overseas than what you will save here currently i just want people to know that like we said you know you could rent a condo in bangkok for 500 dollars a month and have a pool and a gym in your condo you don't have to drive to the gym and they're still built well they're not flimsy no. or gonna fall no. down no or- this is the world we live in, guys. It's not a lie. It's not some fairy tale. It's true. Sure, I need to come over and I, I need to go on a trip with Jack. I need, I need a <laughs> we, We've got to sort it. We've got to sort it. Because last year we talked about doing Vanuatu. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've got to do something. Go to these places where I can save my money. Yeah. We, 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 maybe instead of a travel trip, we could do the financial trip. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. How, how to save and travel. Yeah. How to save and travel with Where, Jack Where's and Sam. our first destination? We'd be not. We'd, we'd find our way in Nepal. Where, yeah. where else would we go? Should I drop you in a rural village in Bangladesh and leave you there? Look, am I, do I have my team? <laughs> <laughs> no. I'll, I'll bring the whole team. I'll, I'll, I'll hire a survival guy. Yeah. And um, 
we'll give it a good crack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, definitely come to Nepal for our wedding. It'll be in October. You're more than welcome. Um, that that could be awesome. That should be after the Olympics. I'll probably be uh, traveling around, so. Yeah. Maybe I could yeah. hopefully swing by. Hopefully swing by in Nepal. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. See where my man's building his house? Yeah, mate. Have yeah. you started yet? I haven't, no. We've, we've got the land and we've got a bit of a vague idea, but we're tossing up between if we should build our own house or build an investment property. Yeah. Um, so what about if rent is, I suppose, so low there? Of course. Can you still recoup an investment? Yeah. So um, we can build an investment property for $20,000 uh, out of steel and make 10 rooms and rent out each room. That per month can pull in $1,000. So after two years, we've got our... 200, how much a room? Um, about, 10 rooms or 100 bucks? Yeah, about 100 bucks. 100 bucks a room per month. So yeah, you're looking at about a th- $1,000 a month. And then in two years, that brings back your 20 grand that you spent. Then every month, you're earning $1,000 indefinitely. Passive, passive income. So we're talking about maybe doing that as an investment property and then doing our dream house later on uh, because we still want to travel a lot and we don't really know if we want to settle down so quick to do the dream house probably no other investments you could just pay off in two years i know that's incredible it's insane and then obviously you think well i could probably build two of those three of them can i do 10 i just want to mention on that is sophia's dad is a boiler maker and a builder hence why we could do it for twenty thousand. Oh, okay but you this could jack prob- prices yeah but you could probably do the same thing for forty thousand. yeah so four years paid off yeah it's incredible it's, yeah well, better than 30 Oh yeah, I know. Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities. I I would just want to say it's not easy. Um, you know, I don't want to make it like it sounds like it's easy to just leave your country and and do this. I just want to let you know that there's opportunities. Yeah, well, I've definitely opened my eyes to possible opportunities. I'm looking forward to traveling overseas and hopefully checking some of them out with you. And for you now, what's your what's your plan from today? So, um, this year we've got, you mean today, today? Or just your next year. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, this year we've got a few countries planned. Um, so I've got a free trip to China. Now I just want to. Was that sponsored by the Chinese government? Yes. Now I just want to state that my opinions that I said earlier on China were even before the Chinese government has sponsored me. So I just want to put that as a thing i would still say that about the chinese even if they weren't sponsoring me but yeah they're sponsoring me for two weeks in china i just make some videos travel around um i'm going to be going to one of the biggest cities in the world Chongqing, china um which most people haven't actually heard of i haven't heard of it yeah it's a brand new mega city that's came up in the past 10 years how did you organize with the chinese government to go over there and make content sure so uh, i have a friend that, that's you don't hear that every day. No, you like, don't. You don't. Oh, let's yeah. just hold for a second. Yeah, yeah. Tell us how you did this. Yeah, sorry I said that so casually. <laughs> yeah, um, no. We were about to shut the thing down. He's like, yeah, I'm working with the Chinese government on some travel. Oh, wait. <laughs> All right. So, Jack, you've yeah, so, organized um, a trip to China Sure. Yeah. with the Chinese government. Yeah. So, um, Tell me about it. I have a, I have a friend, uh, friend of a friend, and he works for the Chinese government. He's Canadian, and he's linked me Um to come over there and and do a sponsored trip. Um, and yeah, I mean, I love China. I've been there anyway. And uh, I thought, why not? So we've got China coming up. We've also got um, 
Bhutan again, another free trip. We're going to the eastern side of Bhutan, something that's never been vlogged about ever. Wow. Um, you've They've probably been on documentaries, but never been vlogged. And when you go there, do you have certain deliverables you have to meet or are you just going to make a vlog and you're going to make one vlog while you're there? Do you have to make a certain amount or so, is that all left to so you? So I'll tell them in writing via email, I'm going to make a minimum three vlogs, might get seven. I told Bhutan this previous time, I said four vlogs and they got eight. Um, so they were very happy and they got a full length documentary went, which went for two hours. Um, which by the way, you can check that out on my YouTube channel, Jack Tor, uh, J A C K T O R R. I'm sure Sam will put it in the description or at the start of the video as well. Um, but yeah, so yeah, um, Eastern, uh, East of Bhutan and we're going to be hopefully going to this village, which once a year they have this festival and this will shock you. Everyone gets naked, pitch black at nighttime, and they throw fire at each other. How, how are you going to vlog that one without getting demonetized? Well, because it's pitch black, I think <laughs> it should be okay. Um, we'll have to do a bit of blurring. Yeah. But yeah, some type of spiritual, cultural thing. They throw fire to like get rid of spirits, and I'm not sure about the naked part. I have to understand that. It's not some weird like sexual thing. It's just what this village does. Thing, yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be interesting to document. Never been documented before online ever. I'm looking forward to seeing that vlog. So hopefully that will be a exclusive to the Jack Tor channel. Well, Jack, thank you so much for coming on today. You've really opened my eyes to the world a little bit. Thank you so much for having me. The, I wish that the audience could see the setup here because it is extremely professional. We've got three big cameras and lights and these awesome microphones. Shout out to my man Tim behind the camera. <laughs> He's getting it done. He's telling me we're running out of space. So, Jack, thanks for coming on. Man. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sam.